Good morning. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It would seem that that's a nice place to start a resurrection sermon with the Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We can't start there. Our gospel doesn't start there. Our gospel starts in the shadows of Good Friday and Holy Saturday. And if we start today the resurrection without at least touching on Good Friday and Holy Saturday, we will not fully appreciate the joy of Mary Magdalene when she realizes that Jesus is alive. C.S. Lewis' classic novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Many of you know it, some of you might not. Lucy and Susan have just witnessed the brutal death of Aslan the lion at the hands of the white witch of Narnia. They've seen him mocked. They've seen him humiliated by a gamut of evil creatures. They've seen his great, big, powerful mane shorn. They see now not a lion but a cat, a shell of his former self. Then they saw him murdered. And left lying dead on the stone table. Aslan, of course, was the great hope of Narnia. The one to finally free it from its endless winter. The one spoken of in hushed but reverent tones by the creatures of Narnia. The one who made kings and queens out of these four children who had wandered through a wardrobe. The one whom the girl's brothers, Peter and Edmund, were already fighting a war for. And their leader was dead. All that they thought was true, all that they thought was right, all that they thought was being redeemed is gone. So C.S. Lewis would write of that night and these girls, I hope no one who reads this book has ever been quite as miserable as Susan and Lucy were that night. But if you have been, if you've been up all night and cried until you have no more tears left, you'll know that in the end there comes a sort of quietness. You feel as if nothing was ever going to happen again. Have you felt that way? I have. Certainly, Mary Magdalene felt that way on that first cold Easter morning. She'd given up everything she had. She met someone to finally give her a great hope. The great hope of the disciples. They thought he was the great hope of the whole nation of Israel. They had left everything to follow him. And now he was dead, lifeless, in a tomb. All Mary wanted to do was come and anoint his body, prepare him for his final rest. Do you feel like Mary sometimes? Have you been there? Have you seen this world? Have you seen the things, the evil and the despair? 
planes senselessly falling out of the sky. ISIS, the evil even in our own country, the things we see. Many of us devastated by cancer and death. But look inside your own heart. What what are you searching for? What are you looking for? Why are you here this morning? Are you always chasing after your neighbors, chasing after your friends, thinking if I just had this thing or this thing, I would finally be happy if I had the right job or the perfect family, if I could finally achieve this one more thing, I would finally, finally, finally have what I need. We look, friends, for our own quick fixes, our own way to feed ourselves, to make ourselves happy, to atone for our own sinfulness, to create our own gods, and then we worship them. But when we do that, we take our Lord and Savior Jesus and we stick him back in the tomb. Because if we're living for ourselves, then Jesus is as good as dead to us. So Mary comes to the tomb and she's cried till there were no more tears left and a certain quietness, I'm sure, has now come over the things. But, but she's getting closer and, and she sees, and what's that? Something's different? Is the stone rolled away? What has happened? And so she takes off running and she finds Peter and John and she tells them and they come running back to the tomb and Peter and John go inside and they see uh, the clothes, the grave clothes lying there and the face napkin folded up. But no body, no Jesus. What has happened? Peter and John aren't sure. And so they leave. Something has happened. John believed something, but what did he believe? We don't exactly know. But Mary stays, and she weeps some more. Alone again, weeping at the tomb. Finally, she peeks in. For the first time, she looks inside that tomb. She sees the same thing that Peter and John see. The clothes lying to the side, the napkin folded up, but... She sees the angels. Woman, they say, why are you weeping? That's not enough for her. They've taken my Lord. I don't know where they have put him. Then suddenly she turns. Something catches her attention. Maybe the angels saw something behind her. and she, She turns, and there she's standing face to face with Jesus himself. She doesn't recognize him. Just an aside here about this. Mary had all the evidence in the world that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. She saw the empty tomb. She saw the clothes. She saw the angels. She turned around and she saw Jesus. What more evidence does she need? But she didn't believe. If you're here this morning and you're looking for evidence that Jesus actually raised from the dead, and if somebody could finally prove it to you, you will finally believe. Listen, I've got evidence. I'd be happy to tell you about it. But evidence will not make you believe. Evidence will not make you believe. We'll come back to that. So Mary now, she's weeping at this gardener. And he looks at her. 
The first thing he says is, woman, why are you weeping? Sir, if you've taken his body, please tell me where it is. Please tell me where it is. I'll bring it back. I want to prepare him for death. I, I want to say goodbye. I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And Jesus looks at her. He says, Mary. Nobody else says her name like that. She knows him. He's the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd knows his sheep and he calls them by name. And Jesus, the good shepherd, looks on this, his despondent and despairing sheep. And he says, Mary, Tony, Gary, Nancy, John. She knows. She knows. Now she really knows that Jesus is risen. It's like Lucy and Susan hearing the crack in that table and they turn around and Aslan is alive. I hope I didn't spoil that for anybody. (laughs) It's a great book. It's still a good book. Read it. (laughs) And Jesus, he's a little curious how he responds. He says, Mary, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended. Instead, go and tell the disciples. And what he's saying there is something has changed. This resurrected Jesus, he's, he's the same and yet different from the pre-resurrected Jesus. Um, he's still our friend, Jesus, but he's something more. He's been raised from the dead. He is now our Lord. He's going to ascend to the Father. Mary, you can't hang on to me in the same way you could, but it is far better. Different but better. Go and tell the disciples Because I've not yet ascended. And one day I will. I will ascend to the right hand of the Father. I'll I'll no longer be merely a teacher. I'll no longer be merely a beloved friend or a faithful mentor. I'll be all that, but I'll be more. I'm Lord of the universe. I've passed through the gates of death, through the gates of hell. I have died never to die again. And I will ascend to my Father. My enemies will be for me a footstool at my feet. So I want to wrap this up. Two implications about the resurrection and then two ways that we probably should respond to it. Um, The implications are going to be sort of if it's true statements. I believe it's true. I don't really believe it's an if there, but but some of you might not. So I want to say if it's true, if you're considering this, then this is what it means. Some of you wholeheartedly believe it's true, but you haven't thought about the consequences of that. If the resurrection is true, if Jesus met her Lord there in the garden and he was alive, then that means Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Some of you may like that. Some of you may not. But that doesn't matter. If he rose from the dead, he is your Lord. If he died and came out alive on the other side, then everything he said, everything he's done, everything that he has even hinted at is of infinite value and importance, and you cannot ignore it. That means you don't really get to pick and choose what you like about Jesus and what you don't. 
Some of us like the Jesus of peace. And I especially, I love a peaceful Jesus. I long for that peace to be here on this earth. But some of you might not like so much the um, claims where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. That's pretty exclusive. So we'll take the peace, Jesus, but, but we don't really want the exclusive Jesus. And I'm telling you this, if he rose from the dead, you don't get a choice. He is your Lord. And so we don't get to say, well, he was a good teacher. He had some really good ideas. Because he also had some really crazy ideas. He thought he was God. If we saw someone walking down the street claiming to be God, would we say, wow, that man's a good teacher? No. We think he's a lunatic. And so if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then don't give me the nonsense about him being a good teacher. But if he did raise from the dead then everything he did, everything he said, even the fact that he said, I forgive you, and listen to me, he said that time and time again, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, and then he backed it up when he died on a cross and rose from the dead. That fact is true for those who believe. Your sins are forgiven. You're infinitely loved. You're infinitely valued. It's true. Second point, if it's true, then everything has changed. Everything is different. No one in the history of the world died, was raised from the dead, and never died again. I can think of one person who died and was raised from the dead and then died again. That was Lazarus. But no one has raised from the dead and stayed alive. And so what Scripture tells us is the resurrection of Jesus was the first of the resurrections, the first fruits, the one to whom when we're united in his death, we're also united in his resurrection, that, that one day we will be raised from the dead. What an amazing thing that is. That, that all of the despair of this world that we were talking about, the tears of Mary and Lucy and Susan, the tears of sickness and death and disease and evil, that is being made undone. The clock is being turned back to Genesis 3. No, Genesis 2. Where we walk in the cool of the garden with God. Where we know his presence. Where there's a new heavenly Jerusalem where Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The only light we need and where we rejoice in him. Where one day every tear will be wiped away. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus Christ is making everything new. So what are we going to do? How do we respond? Like I said, evidence isn't enough. I can give you evidence, but I'm not going to. We can talk later. Is the good shepherd calling your name? Is something stirring in your soul this morning? Maybe you've heard it before and responded. Maybe you need to respond again. Maybe you've never heard it before. But, but is something stirring in your soul? Is Jesus calling your name and saying, you are loved, you are forgiven, and you are my child? It doesn't matter who you are. 
what you've done, the shame you feel, the sickness you're facing. None of that matters in the eyes of the shepherd. He's calling your name. Are you going to respond to that? Will you respond? Now, some of you, you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, man, my name's been called. That's cool. <laughs> well, you got some work to do, friends. Go and tell somebody. I've seen the Lord. He's called your name. You know him. You know forgiveness. You, you can't sit in here. I mean, please stay for the rest of the service, but you can't. Jesus has no room for a faith that is confined to the walls of this building or confined to the walls of your prayer closet at home. That's useless. That's not a faith that has actually seen the Lord. And Jesus doesn't need people to go out and rationally prove that he rose from the dead. What does Mary do when Jesus says, go and tell the disciples, what does she do? Does she calmly walk to them? Say, gentlemen. I went into the grave, and I saw that the clothes were off, and the napkin was folded, and I must deduce that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. No. She runs to them. She says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. He has transformed my life. I used to be like this. I met Jesus Christ. Now I'm not perfect, and things are still messed up, but, but I know Jesus, and I know the Lord. She ran to them, and she said, Christ is alive. Our sins are forgiven. Death is defeated. The world is being redeemed. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have risen from the dead. You're the Lord of our life. You're turning back the wheel of time. Death has been defeated. We have new life in you. Make that real in our hearts this morning. Call our names again. And empower us with your Holy Spirit. To go forth from here proclaiming, I have seen the Lord. Amen.